Right, guys, welcome back to Revive School. Brand new week, and yet we're still in the book of Nehemiah. Here we are in Nehemiah 12, lesson 131. Kevin, we're making progress. Definitely. In fact, this week, you guys should radically get excited. You want to know why? Because you're going to finish the historical books. Like, I just thought I'd even dress up for the week for this one. Like, why not, right? And so, I mean, think about this. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, and then you have Ezra, and then the counterpart, Nehemiah, and so many people think they might as well have been one book, same time frame, there's just so much there, and then you have the one word, Kevin, what's our one word for the book of Nehemiah? Builder. So you have the word builder. Kevin, what's builder mean for the book of Nehemiah? Uh, It's showing how through Christ through Nehemiah, kind of is it's foreshadowing the rebuilding of the city yeah so they're rebuilding the city nehemiah is being used and a whole lot of people correct to rebuild the wall to rebuild the community and all of that is a foreshadow as you just said that points to ultimately christ who's going to build the church and and guess what guess who he uses us he uses everyday people filled with the spirit of god to do his work. In fact, Kevin, can you go to the map of uh, the city of Jerusalem? Here you have the walls. Remember, Nehemiah does an assessment. He comes in and then all of these families play a part in rebuilding the wall. You know, let's go to Tom just to make sure he's awake. He's got his chair back there. He looks way too comfortable back there. Tom, how how long did it take to rebuild the city of Jerusalem? 52 days. (laughs) It wasn't 52 minutes. 52 days is correct. You are so right. Now think about this. Like that was the desire. And and just as their work foreshadows what Christ wants to do through us in Matthew 16, 18. I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. He wants to use believers to build his church and the forces of Hades will not overpower. I love that picture because once the wall's built, guess what? Uh Uh-uh, no more enemies are coming in. Like that's the thought. That's the, that's the mentality And I love what Wearsby says really in the first 26 verses of Nehemiah 12 is that we must give ourselves to the Lord in this process. And so what what you're going to see in the first 20, 26 verses are all of the people that came back. Now look at this in verse one, and then I'll kind of explain the time frame here. Kevin, in Nehemiah 12, verse one, it says, these are the priests and the Levites who went up with Zerubbabel, son of Shealtel, and with Joshua. Uh, Sariah, Jeremiah, and Ezra. Before we go on, now remember, you have a temple that was built with Solomon. King David wanted to build it. God said, no, you're going to have your son build this. So Solomon builds this temple. Remember, David brings the ark, right, up to Jerusalem, puts the ark in the temple. So we know at that time, Jerusalem existed and so did the temple. Okay, everybody, we're good, Kevin? You're always my, you're always my, my uh, genealogy, lineage, time frame guy. Okay, so that happens. Then the next thing you know, all of it goes away, correct? It's destroyed, rubble, uh, burnt, you know, components, remember? Because ne- Nehemiah got mocked by all of his, you know, his, his enemies, Sambalat, Tobiah, and Gershom. And they said, what are you doing trying to rebuild this rubble? So here's, here's the deal. 
all of the captives, those that are in exile, are coming back, right? And so they're coming back. As they're coming back, you have these wave of people. That first wave is the Zerubbabel folks. Zerubbabel is known as coming back and building the temple. This is the second temple, okay? This is the same temple that existed during Christ's time, right? Yes, because that temple was still there because Christ was around when there was a temple. So here you have the first temple, then you have the second temple. So Zerubbabel's temple, these are the people that are coming back to be a part of that ground wave. I think that's a good way of putting it. And so Nehemiah just lists these people that gave their lives, gave themselves to God. And in verse 2, it literally you're going to see a list of 22 leaders that they returned in 537 B.C. with Zerubbabel and Joshua. Remember, there's basically two different people. Okay, so, so you have Zerubbabel. I always love saying his name. Zerubbabel and Joshua. And Kevin, what are they known for coming back to build? The temple. A temple. The first one you had was Solomon. Okay, so... This would be the second temple. Solomon has the first temple. The reason I just want to explain this is because this is the list of people that are coming back with the second wave for the second temple. And for some reason, uh, Nehemiah feels like this is super important that you understand who did the work. It's kind of like recognizing your patriarchs. It's like recognizing, like, hey, who founded Texas? Or he, who founded Indiana? Who founded North Dakota? Mr. North Dakota. Mr. Dakota. I don't know. Kevin, do you have any idea? You have no idea, me neither. Rich, you got any idea who founded New York? See, this is a problem with America today. None of us know, right? I don't know. And so, oh, you should study it in history. Totally didn't pay attention in history. That's why Nehemiah writes these things, so that we would remember the history of, do you remember who came back? And Kevin has a map up here for me. Kevin, you're you're so good. You're on it today. It's going to be a fun week, Kevin. All right, so that whole first crew, the green lines are upable, right? These guys are coming back. Then we'll eventually get into the Ezra and Nehemiah crew that are coming back, okay? And don't worry, you'll get the list. But these are the lists to say, guys, please don't forget who, are, who was a part of this. Like, wouldn't it be cool if years down the road they're like, hey, that's my uncle, Maluk! Maluk? Maluk. Maluk. Anyway, this is the list. So you have 22 leaders. In this process, though, you're also going to see uh, eight Levites that were mentioned. Okay, so anyway, just so you kind of have an understanding, go to verse 8, Kevin, if you would. In Nehemiah 12, verse 8, it says, The Levites, here they are, Jeshua, Benua, Kedemiel, Sherebiah, Judah, and Mattaniah, he and his relatives were in charge of the praise song. So as they're coming back, these guys had an important role. So what you're going to see is you're going to see leaders and you're going to see Levites. And so again, as it just keeps going on in verse 9 of Nehemiah 12, 9, Bakbukhaya, Uni and their relatives, I should feel like I should say that one again, Bakbukaya. Kevin, that actually sounded legit, like I knew what I was talking about right there. Bakbukaya, Uni, and their relatives stood opposite them in their services. It's kind of an interesting thing, because what you're going to hear later on is there's two choirs standing opposite one another. I think this is a really cool part. They're, They're singing praise songs. You have to wonder at this point, I don't know, was it contemporary? traditional rich you got any thoughts uh no i'm pretty much it was just uh contemporary for the time you know and kevin i don't know you probably don't have this if you do you, you'll be the man of the hour we had when ezra was reading the um the uh you know the, the law you don't have this one kevin and in the middle of this do you guys remember this tom ezra's reading it and there's a guy in the back of the picture and his hands are like this 
you know there's going to be some loose cannons that are singing, you know, and that are starting to dance. So this is the group. They're standing opposite of each other. And then in verse uh, verse 10, here's what you're going to see. Five succeeding descendants of Joshua. These are, the, these are what you're going to see. Joshua fathered Joachim. Joachim fathered Elishib. Elishib fathered Joada. Joada, excuse me. And then in verse 11, Joada fathered Jonathan. And Jonathan fathered Jadua. Okay, so here you have a list. But then it gets into, so think about this, you guys. We have gone from leaders, right, to Levites, right? And then if you can keep going here, and, it, and then it says we're going to get into priests. Okay, so then it just says, in the days of Joachim, the leaders of the priestly families were, and then here you go. Now, I don't want to read through all of them, but I, I just, I don't know, I feel like I'm supposed to today. So the families were Mariah of Sariah, Hananiah of Jeremiah. Okay, scripture continues on. Meshulam of Ezra, Johanan of Amariah. Scripture continues in verse 14. Jonathan of Malukai, Joseph of Shabaniah, Adna of Haram, Helkai of Marioth, keeps going to Zechariah of Edo, Meshulam of Genethon, Zikri of Abijah, Piltai of Moadiah, of Miniyam. Mini, go ahead, Kevin, you got to go back to that one. Mini I am. Hmm. He represents the Lord in a mini version. The mini I am in. I just think it's important to know your heritage. Like for me, as I walk out the calling the Lord's given me, what if I didn't know that my grandfather was a preacher? Would that do anything if I didn't know my grandfather was a preacher? No, it really wouldn't do anything. But you know what it does? It actually, it almost solidifies like, oh yeah, this is, this is part of my, my heritage. That makes sense. You know, like Jude, like I have no building skills. You know, occasionally I can work on some plumbing. Don't try to have me do a three-way switch in electrical. It just doesn't work out well. You know, I, I can, I've done doors and cabinets for years uh, when I used to work in apartments, but like it's not natural for me. And, but my dad is like supernatural at this. Like my dad can, he rebuilds his, he built his houses. Like he was just, that's his DNA. And my grandfather was. My grandfather taught, um, uh, what's it when you teach tech? Wood. Shop class? Shop class, yeah. My grandfather taught shop class, shop class, and he was a preacher. Well, just like yesterday, Jude came home. He took two scraps. He pulled out a kitchen knife, not recommended, and he started whittling, right, on some pieces of wood. And then he just wanted to start building uh, a cross. And then it was just like, and then you guys have heard about the classic Jude wants to sell mini, miniature cornhole, right, with grandpa and him. And it's kind of like there's something in him that he wants to build. But like for me, I could fan that flame and say, hey, Jude, did you know that your grandfather and your great grandfather, like this is how they were wired. And so like it's important to know that because maybe God wants to use that to fan the the gifts that are already inside of you. And so in this, maybe some of these guys as they're reading this list, they're like, oh, uh, Shamua of Bilga was a part of this. Jonathan of Shemaiah was a part of this. Mataniah of Jorib, Uzi of Jediah, Kalai of Salai, Eber of Amok. Verse 21, you know, you have to wonder if somebody's in heaven saying, they finally read my name out loud. <laughs> he did it. Hashabayah. He read my name. Nobody reads Nehemiah 12, 21, you know. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, he, yeah, he didn't skip. And he said it completely wrong, but who cares? And Nathela of uh, Jedediah, uh, no, Nathela of Jedediah. And then it just goes to verse 22. And so I, I think all I'm just trying to say in these lists is, no, we might not know the history of these names. In fact, we might not have a clue even how to pronounce these names. But like, I think it's important in America, I think it's important in your other countries that you understand how did we get to this point. 
And so the leaders, the Levites, the priests, you guys, these are the folks, and this is kind of fun, uh, that helped establish this city. Now, when you go to verse 22, now we're even going to get a little bit higher level here. In the days of Eliashib, Joadiah, Johanan, and Jadua. You know what these are? Kevin, these are the high priests. These are a list of the four high priests. And these are the leaders of the families of the Levites and the priests that were recorded while Darius, the uh, Persian, ruled. Now, King Darius, right? We've talked about him, probably King Darius II, right? He actually, this is kind of crazy. He actually, when you go to uh, Ezra 6 and Ezra 7, you're going to see that King Darius actually probably paid part of the temple expenses. So I think it's even interesting that Nehemiah actually honored this king enlisting him here uh, just for the simple fact that maybe he helped fund part of it. This is an interesting perspective, and you don't have to, can I just say this, if the king is listed and then the high priests are listed, you know what that means? There was no separation of church and state. I think it's an interesting perspective because for me, what's happened in America is repulsive. Like, how dare you say God in school? Or how dare you mention, you know, can we pray before a, you know, a governmental meeting? Like, it's almost like we're just saying, no, you, you can't do that any longer. You guys, in order to establish the greatest city literally in the world, the holy city, the city of Jerusalem, it was, it was both and. It was God was always involved in what they were doing. Not always. He wanted to be. Like, I think you get the point. In establishing the, this city, God was involved in church and in state. I think you hear what I'm saying in here, in the religious. And so the high priests, you know, that would be like the well-known guys, right? Worked actually with, uh, with the government officials. And in verse 23, just to get an idea, it says, Levi's descendants, uh, scripture continues on, the leaders of families. And so this is what you're going to see, the, the list here, uh, recorded in the book of the historical records during the days of Johanan, shun, son of Eliashib. But now you're going to get into, you guys, here's the crazy thing, nine Levitical families, the leaders of the Levites, Hashibah, Sherebiah, and Joshua of Kadmiel, along with uh, their relatives opposite them. There it is. Remember that whole opposite thing, right? Gave praise and thanks division by division as David, the man of God, had prescribed. I'm going to get into the whole celebration, what this looked like. All we're doing right now is we're telling you guys who was a part of those that gave up of their lives to praise the Lord. Make sense? Like first 26 verses. This is the list that helped orchestrate, uh, lead um, the procession for singing and praising that God did this. It's a pretty cool picture. Then it just says in verse 25, there's a list. This list included Mataniah, Bakbuka, oh, this is the guy again. Bakbukaya, Bakbukaya. Oh, Lord, help me. I was a lot better. And Obadiah, Meshulam, Talmon, and Akbud, Akub, were gatekeepers who guarded the storerooms at uh, at the gates. In verse 26 then, as before we trans- transition in here, these served in the days of Joachim, son of Joshua, son of Josedach, in the days of Nehemiah, the governor, and Ezra, the priest, and the scribe. I, this is going to sound super obvious. Remember, Ezra over here in that painting that Mindy did, and Nehemiah at the painting. Kevin, are they the same time frame? Yes. Yes. That's really important to understand. In a, in a weird way, like I view Luke and Acts together, Volume 1 and Volume 2, and, you know, there is some overlap right there, right? When you go to the end of Luke and you go into the book of, uh, the book of Acts, which I'm pretty excited about. We're going we're gonna to start jumping into that, Kevin, next week. 
How crazy is that? You have to think of Ezra and Nehemiah as the same, like volume one, volume two. They, they intertwine. They go together. Now, here we go. All right. So the first 26 verses. OK. And I like what Wearsby says. OK. And we've already referenced this, but let's just write it down. He just says we must give ourselves to God. OK. So that's the list. This is a list that says, yep, we're we're all in. Now, here's what you're going to see is Wearsby says we must. And this is this is a this is a really surprising section of of the scriptures. I got really excited. We must give our praise to God. And you're going to see this in verses 27 through 42. So here's what's cool is that once you get involved, you just start naturally praising the Lord. So now this is what this looks like. Here you have literally one of the most important times, the dedication of the wall. Like all of this is done. And so what do you do when something's done? You dedicate it. I don't know. Did you guys ever, I guess, Rich, you built homes before your own home. How many homes have you, have, how many homes have you built? Three. You built three homes. Did you ever dedicate your house? We do that with every one of them. Okay. What does that look like for you? How, how do you, are you singing on a roof? Are you ribbon cutting? We, there's no ribbon cutting. Um, usually there's like scripture written on studs or on concrete or something of that nature before everything, floors or walls go up. Uh, but then usually what we do is we just anoint the doors uh, and just pray over them. Ask the Holy Spirit to reside there and that uh, God would be made known and His presence would be felt when people came into our home. That's awesome. And then if you don't build your home, which I didn't, Kevin, what do you do? Well, I think you get, if you buy it or purchase it, you still need to dedicate it to the Lord. That's right. You walk in, you can anoint uh, the, the doors. You can ask the Lord for his covering, for his protection, for his blessing to reside, for his presence to reside in here, right? And that when people come, they can experience the presence of the Lord in your life and in this home. And, and really, that's what we're after in Nehemiah 12. I mean, this is, this is the desire. Now, think about this. And I love what Wearsby said. We've gone from workers and warriors to now worshipers. Like, that's the mentality. That's the shift that we're going from. From workers to warriors to now, and, and, and even watchmen, Right? Workers, warriors, and watchmen, I think, is what you could even add there. And now you have, you have worshipers. And in verse 27, really what you're going to see is, is that here you have Nehemiah enlist the Levites, as Constable says, from all over Judah to guarantee that this celebration, this dedication service is going to properly go off. So Nehemiah says, all right, everybody come on in. So he sent for the Levites wherever they lived. And he brought, brought them to Jerusalem to celebrate the joyous dedication with thanksgiving and singing accompanied, accompanied, excuse me, by cymbals, harps, and lyres. Now I want to kind of just, I'm going to, I'm going to read through if we can, Kevin, 28 and 29. And then I'm going to really pull back for a second. The singers. Okay. So we brought, we brought in Levites, right, Kevin? So the Levites are coming, Correct. And the Levites are coming, and they're coming from all over the region, right? And Kevin, what's the role of the Levites again? If you go back to verse 27, what does it say they're supposed to do? Celebrate the joyful dedication. Okay, good. Now in verse 28, here you have the singers gathered from the region around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Netophathites. Okay, and then if you go to verse 29, from Beth Gil, Gilgal, from the fields of Geba and Asmapheth, for they had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem. Okay. This is where I want to go. So he's gathering Levites and singers. Now, in Nehemiah 6, okay, you have the completion of the wall. Okay, that's what you have. And then in chapters 8 through 10, remember, we had a revival that broke out. Okay, we have a revival of the people that broke out. 
Now, here's where it gets interesting, okay? In Nehemiah 7, 4 and 5. Kevin, can you go there? Because I got to kind of walk us through this. It's a little bit different here, okay? Nehemiah 7, verse 4 and 5. The city was large and spacious, but there are a few people in it. And no houses have been built yet. In verse 5, then my God put into my mind to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the people to be registered by genealogy. I found the genealogical record of those who came back first, and I found the following written into it. Okay, now if you go to Nehemiah 11. Nehemiah 11, 1 and 2. You'll see where we're going here. So the completion of the walls broke out. Broke out. The revival has broken out. Now Nehemiah is taking steps. Look what it says in Nehemiah 11, 1. Now the leaders of the people stayed in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people, remember this? cast lots for one out of ten to come and live in Jerusalem. The holy city, while the other nine-tenths, remained in their town. So now the revival isk part is that people are casting lots and they have to stay in Jerusalem because they want to go to the suburbs, <laughs> right? We've, we talked about this all last week. So think about this. You have the completion of the wall, revival breaking out. Now Nehemiah takes steps to repopulate the city. And now, now that everything's in place, you have to have a dedication service. And that's what you're beginning to see. These factors come in. But here's what's interesting. As the people were coming back into place, that's why the dedication, Kevin, to, uh, there was a delay. Think about this. The city is rebuilt. Why would you not in Nehemiah 6 dedicate the wall? Because they were still trying to figure out where they're going to live. Uh, trying to figure out where they're going to live. We needed a revival to break out in some sense of people recognizing who God is and where God's in all of this. And then in this, hey, are you in? And so there seems to be an interesting delay, and I think it's a, a good way of putting this, for the dedication, but everything's in place now in Nehemiah 12. Everything's in motion. In fact, the word dedication, okay, translated in English, actually means Hanukkah. So my natural thought is, wait a minute. When I drive around and I see the blue lights, like, are they actually celebrating, think about this, the restoration of the city of Jerusalem and the temple? And I would say, yes. It's just an interesting little insight just based on this. And then the festival, as Nelson's commentary says, the festival of Hanukkah developed from experience, okay, of the Jewish people in rededicating the temple after its, de after its des desecration. I don't know. I mean, I just, these are the things to me, the Lord's like, Kyle, I want you to go deeper in this. I want you to learn more of this. And so at the dedication, eight times it talks about singing. Six times it talks about thanksgiving. Seven times it talks about rejoicing. And three times the Church of Christ people apparently weren't invited because they had actually instruments. <laughs> Just kidding. Church of Christ now, I think, I don't know, 50-50. Some have instruments, some don't. My point is this, is that there's a whole lot of celebration going on. They are rejoicing in God, moving in their presence. And then it just says in, in verse uh, 30, Kevin, if you'll go there with me. In verse 30 of Nehemiah 12, it says, After the priests and Levites had purified themselves, that's important, you guys, they purified the people, the gates, and the walls. There's a whole lot of purification going on. Man, if I'm going to make money, I'd be selling oil right now. Hey, who needs to be purified? $5.99! Like, they're totally out. I don't know. I'm just kidding. You get the point. Priests, Levites, they have cleansed themselves, and now they are purifying the people and then the gates, and then the wall. And so some people always say, ah, oh, where do you get this dedication to your house or to your business? This would be a great example. And so in this process, I mean, you know, think about this. You have the Levites, the priests, the Levites, the people, the gates, and the wall. 
the priests, the Levites, the people, the gates, and all, everybody was involved in the purification. Everybody. It's kind of cool. Then in verse 31, maybe one of the things I've never seen in my life until I started studying this. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up on the top of the wall and I appointed two large processions that gave thanks. You know what that means, right? We got two large choirs. Literally, you have two large choirs. One, this is the one choir. They went to the right of the wall toward the dung gate. So one group of the choir is going to be going this way. Does that make sense? Okay. So in verses 31 through 37, I don't know why they get longer amounts of time. Maybe they're singing more. Maybe they're a better choir. I don't know. But this group right here is going this direction. Okay. But then, and then it starts listing people. Okay. And then interesting enough, in verse 36, I want to just say this. It says, with the musical instruments of David the man of God. So this choir, along with the instruments, Tom would probably be involved by now, is that they're playing the instruments from King David, you guys. King David's instruments, as they're going around singing, as they're going around playing their instruments, the man of God, they have his instrument. Like my dad used to play the banjo. Like, it'd be like my kids getting the banjo. Hopefully they would know how to play it because I do not. But like, it's like, oh, this is your dad's. This is your grandfather's. This is David's. And so interesting enough, who leads the first choir, Kevin, according to this verse in verse 36? Ezra. Ezra. Okay. So you have team one and team two. Ezra leads the charge. Okay. From the dung gate. I just love saying the dung gate. To the fountain gate, to the water gate, to the horse gate, to the inspection gate. They didn't even make it that far. Right. You see this, right? Maybe it's because they had a whole lot more instruments. That's the first choir. Now, Rich, where, what are they walking on right now? You have any idea? Like, are they on the wall? I think it says they're on the wall. It does. I just think that's cool. Today, you can walk around the top of the wall, around this portion where outside the Jaffa Gate. So you can still do it today in you know the old city Jerusalem. Absolutely. Okay, because of time, I want to keep going here. So they're walking on the wall now in verse. Uh, 38, Kevin, if you'll go there. The second Thanksgiving procession, a.k.a. the choir, okay? This one, it says, went to the left, and I followed it with half the people. So who's leading the charge in this one, Kevin? Uh, he's kind of, Nehemiah's Nehemiah. following. Yeah, but it's Nehemiah totally leading the charge. you got Ezra going one way, and then Nehemiah's the fast walker. Like, let's go, guys, let's go. You know, have you ever been with people that walk faster than you? You know, like, I think I walk fast. I've been with my daughter, Maya. I'm like, Maya, slow down. Are you embarrassed to walk with me? Dad, just pick it up. You know, just kind of deal. This is Nehemiah Squire, okay? So they're walking that direction. And they go, as Scripture says, they go from the old gate to the Ephim gate, the fish gate, to the sheep gate. Whoa, don't slip that one up. To the muster gate. Like, and then, guess what? They meet at, ding, 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 the temple. Isn't that a cool picture? You've got two choirs. But here's what I love about all of Nehemiah 12. Nehemiah 12 starts off with everybody that's involved. So he lists everybody's involved. Then he splits them up, first choir, second choir. And here's what I love. Most people today, if you have one choir and a second choir, they go different directions. You know what I love about this is they're unified in their worship. They're unified and they meet in the middle. They meet at, yes, the temple. I mean, the whole point of this, and I love what Wearsby says, is to dedicate the wall. God has done the work. It's a symbolic act, even as they're on the wall, that they stepped out on faith. Like all of this represents, and here's the best part of it all. It's a joyful praise. They actually love representing and praising the Lord because they see God did this. 
It wasn't a time to be quiet. It was a time to rejoice that God has shown up. You got two choirs going through this whole thing. And what are they doing the whole time? (laughs) They're praising the Lord. You know, there's a lot more to this story. Uh, They're on the wall. They're singing. But all I want to just tell you is this, you guys. This is an important day in history. They recognize that they've been through a lot. And they recognize they don't want to look back. And the only way they've gotten to this point is praising the Lord. I want to just close you with a a simple, simple thought. If God's radically changed your life, how could we remotely stay quiet? I think this is a great foreshadow of how God wants us to worship and praise Him. All right, guys, this is uh, Nehemiah 12. I know there's more to this chapter, but let's just sit on that for today. Bless you all. We'll talk to you tomorrow.